Welcome to Me, Myself, and Millie, a podcast that gives light and levity to infertility and different pathways to parenthood. I am your host, Millie Brooks, and this is season six of the podcast coming back at you. We are here, full swing. I can't believe it. Um, I'm in a different location, and our guest for today's episode, as well as the whole season, is also in a different location. We'll get to that later. But essentially, this season is going to focus on one person's journey to parenthood, and that is Audrey Q. Audrey, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's a truly an honor. I'm, I'm so excited. I, I am so, I feel so honored. I feel honored to be on, to be here during these moments with you. Um, we're, we're doing a lot of buildup right now um, for the audience, but essentially, guys, Audrey is traveling to Ukraine where um, Audrey's surrogate is going to give birth to her son, Mateo. Is that correct? That's correct. It's been a long journey. A long journey. And that, that a long journey that, you know, I mean, necessitates a whole season of a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to, we're going to get deep. We're going to get like, oh, we're going to unpack and we're going to, we're going to go there with you. Um, I might cry. So thanks. <laughs> yeah, please, please. I might cry too. <laughs> we'll all cry and then we'll all have a good laugh and then we'll all cry again. Sounds good. Um, Audrey, let's just start, you know, I guess let's start not with infertility. Tell everybody a little bit about yourself. So I'm Audrey Q. I am Puerto Rican. I was born and raised in the island. However, um, my parent was military, and I did get to be born in Puerto Rico, but as soon as I was born, I traveled around the, the states, usually southern states, and I went back full-time to Puerto Rico when I was about six years old. Um, my upbringing would say it, it was typical of a working class, you know, um, from El Barrio, uh, to, you know, going to public schools and basically had my life figured out by my parents for me. You know, I was going to either be a doctor or an engineer, and that was it. I somehow, you know, wanted to be in communications, and I found myself since I was a young age working on radio, radio and on college radio and podcasts, because um, that's truly my passion. Um, but yeah, I'm an electrical engineer by study. I studied in University of Puerto Rico, Mayagüez. Um, sangre verde, so that's our chant, which means green blood. Our colors are green. Our mascot is a bulldog, and I not to be associated with the Georgia Bulldogs, but I will root for them too. Um, but yeah, so I started as an electrical engineer. I've hopped through my career as different, different wearing different hats. Right now, I'm a product quality engineer. I am very ambitious on trying to have it all, you know, I, I want to be a manager too. And I've had a really high um, challenged time trying to risk that goal 
But I think the other other title that I've been very challenged on getting is mom. I've been having a very difficult time obtaining um, that title. I I know that some people do consider themselves moms once, you know, if, if they've experienced miscarriage. And I do consider that I have babies, but I don't, I still don't see myself with that title. And I think that just goes with everything, you know, we've been through. And um, yeah, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> I, um... I'm just, my brain is really fixating on electrical engineer. And like, I just want to know more about that because as soon as I hear electrical, I think wires. Yeah. You know, like, what does that look like on a daily basis? My, actually, my friend was joking with me or my best friend's husband. They're both civil engineers. Um, I was supposed to be a civil engineer too because me and my best friend, we went to drafting in high school. But somehow I decided that electrical engineers had more fun. They had more spark. And that's what I decided to do. <laughs> they, oh, my gosh. Yes. I love this. Oh, the, the great metaphor. Great metaphor. But I was kind um, of, I was asking him, like, okay, what kind of transformer or converter do I need with my blower? And he's like, you should know this. You're an electrical engineer. I'm like, well, I'm not your typical electrical engineer. Like, I, I like, focused on – um, digital signal processing, which tied to my passion to radio, right? I was very passionate about um, Laplace and like these codes to concentrate on signal and like removing noise. And because my goal after I decided I was going to be an electrical engineer was to work for the government or to like try to identify terrorists by their voice or image, image processing. That's what I really wanted to do. And I almost did a master's in it. I just didn't have the money for the master's. I got in. It was a master's called um, Media Forensics in Denver, Colorado. And I was so excited I got in. But when they told me tuition, I was also going through a middle of a divorce because I got married really young. And I was like, nope, I need to work because I need to like um, focus in, in my career. So I ended up just being a coder. Um, so I like to code. I like to do a lot of process analysis and analytical stuff. And now I'm in quality, which is pretty much people hate us because we, you know, we try to fix problems, comes with a solution and tell you what not to do. So, <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, man. It's like customer service on a next level. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I can't imagine that there's too many um, females in your line of work. So I, I'm, I'm already in awe. Yeah. Yeah. When I was studying, I was one of, we were three in our graduating class, um, doing capstone. Um, I remember being sometimes the only girl and I made a point out of it. You know, I bought my laptops pink. I, everybody knew that I was there. Awesome. I love that. I want to get back to, um, the current, I guess, um, the current state of everything right now, and then we'll we'll really go back in time to like the beginning of your journey. Um, so right now, here today, I am calling you. It's um, eight forty-five Central Time in Chicago. Where is it in? And you're in Germany, Frankfurt. I am Wiesbaden, which is next to Frankfurt, and it's three forty-five p.m. <laughs> 
3.45 p.m. Okay, good. Well, this is a good time. So guys, just so you know, as you are traveling with us on this season, that's where our physical bodies are. Um, now, why did you choose that area to kind of, because you're there to kind of sit and wait, right? Yeah. So I'm 12 hours by car to where I'm going to go enter in Ukraine, but um, I'm two hours and it's because it has a, there's no direct flight. Um, so it's pretty quick rather than going from Atlanta directly to Slovakia, which is where we're trying to fly first. Um, and also because I get free room and board and food. My best friend from college, well, not from college, we met since we were future farmers of America, 13 years old. Um, wow. She's here. She works with the Army Corps of Engineers. Um, and I've been very jealous of her. She she has been here for three or four years and she's living the life that I've always wanted. Oh my gosh. And she's opened her doors? Yes. To have you hang. Oh my gosh. Yep. She even cooks oh for me and God. she cooks amazing. So <laughs> stop it. Yeah. Stop. Oh, I am like so grateful for this friend in your life right now. She's the first, when everything went down, she was the first person I called um, just because like, I know she kind of had insights and she basically predicted everything that was going to happen and how would I was going to go about. She's like, okay, you need to start. It was February 15. And she's like, okay, you need to start working with Poland and you need to start, you know, reaching out to the embassy and, you know, you'll stay here and we'll figure it out. And that's exactly how it happened. So I'm very lucky she was there. Oh my me. God. I would so need that. I would so like, I can't imagine having somebody who can just put practical actions in front of you to like make this all happen. Like I would be so consumed with like, emotion and situations and news and like to have somebody just a grounding presence to be like, this is what you got to do. This is where you're going to do it. You're going to stay with me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was like, I'm very, I'm very intuitive. I, I don't know. I like have voices and I try to follow that. And I remember that day that something said, just, just check the embassy page and see what's going on. And when I read that, oh my gosh, they're leaving Ukraine, the embassy, the U S embassy is leaving Ukraine. I knew shit was going to about to go down. Um, and I couldn't reach my husband cause I was actually flying with my little brother in California and my husband was in a Brazilian jiu-jitsu tournament. So he's my grounding station sometimes, but he was really not focused. He was focusing on, on his tournament. It kind of felt bad that I called him crying, but I kind of, I kind of then just relied on, on, on my best friend and just to, just to have that in that moment where like, like, I know, I know shit's about, about to get real. And because mm -hmm. people over here, you know, in Ukraine, my surrogate and my agency was like, oh, this is not going to happen. Um, the U.S. media is exaggerating. And I'm like, if the U.S. Embassy is leaving, it, it's going to get ugly. Mm, that was the indicator. That was the big, the big red flag. Yeah. And from that moment on, I started, I started like mentally preparing myself and, you know, trying to, trying to focus and, and trying to figure out what we, what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. 
Now, let's go back to finding your surrogate in Ukraine. And what made you, I'm curious also, um, did you do your egg retrieval over there or did you transport your embryos? Fill us in. So, yeah. So I've had, I don't know how much bag details you want, or or maybe I should start with like my handle. Um, My handle is traveling to baby. My intention was really not to travel to baby. It was because my first pregnancy ever after a laparoscopy, I found out I was pregnant in Japan, in Kyoto. Um, And that's the story I'm very fond of. Uh, I only had taken one pregnancy test. I am a heavy drinker. So I had drinking champagne. And then all of a sudden, I, I just needed to puke. So I knew something was up. I took the test and it was faintly positive. And then we had to learn how to say pregnancy test in Japanese. And I think it was like Jinsi Kense something. Um, and I took three tests and it, they were all positive. Uh, fortunately, when I came back, it was a blighted ovum. And so that was my first miscarriage. We um, we even did two back-to-back IUIs, didn't work. Then I was preparing myself for IVF. And this is a lapse of like five months. I was preparing myself to IVF. And the... And the IUIs were in Atlanta mm-hmm. with okay. an OBGYN, and I will get to that shortly. But when I was transitioning between the OBGYN to the IVF clinic, um, I had a travel because I'm also involved in like the IEEE, which is the Institute of Electrical Engineers. And I was in a conference in Austin, Texas, where I started feeling weird again, and I tested and it was positive. So I kind of saw like, oh, every time I get pregnant, I'm traveling. So this is going to be a journey and I'm going to be traveling to baby. And that's where my handle was born. Um, but I do mention that I, I stayed with the OBGYN way too long. I didn't know better. As a Puerto Rican, I didn't have infertility education. And mm-hmm. the first thing I did was Google fertility doctor and an OBGYN came up. Um, back then when I requested fertility quotes, it was, it was through mail, snail mail. And I remember getting this huge package and I saw the number of like 30,000. I was like, nope, I'm going to start with like the OBGYN and stick there for a long time. Yeah. And so now, um, let's fast forward to your IVF or deciding to do IVF. Yep. So I got into the clinic. I was already pregnant. The nurses even joked about like, why are you here if you're pregnant? And I'm like, "Uh, I just had a miscarriage. And shortly after taking my results, you know, they apologized and, you know, it was my second miscarriage. Um, It was a journey also to try to figure out how we're going to pay for IVF. And and that could be a whole another episode. But at that point, we had gotten coverage through employer and um, this was one of the approved clinics and we started proceeding with IVF. My first choice of clinic did not take my insurance by that time, but we ended up doing one round with this clinic and, um, transferring. We had really good results or really good embryo count retrieval for the first time. I think I had 14 eggs. I made seven embryos, but four came back up normal. So I had three, we transferred one, it failed. I changed to, cl- to another clinic moved my two embryos. This was another clinic in Atlanta? In Atlanta. 
We have done okay. five more. So I've done a total of six retrievals. Um, I even changed doctors within the, the new clinic that I am at, on. Um, and every cycle has been completely different. I've gone from cycles that we didn't retrieve a single or we didn't make a single embryo to like one that I retrieved five eggs and four embryos made it out of that. So it's, it's, it's been crazy. The numbers have just been all over the map. Yep. To go with the traveling. <laughs> yeah. Love it. Let's, let's keep it let, like, let's just go with that theme. Yep. So currently I, I have five untested here in Atlanta, um, which is another episode, right? About what we're going to do about them. But then before I got these five, I had three that I sent to Ukraine. And those were tested? Those were tested. There were two boys and a girl. And because, again, my intuition, I was like, hey, let's ship sperm at the same time. Because it's going to be very, it was it was the same price, right? And I wanted to have a backup plan. Because um, I didn't trust how the shipping process was going to be. Yeah, like what is that shipping process like? So I've learned lately that each country has their own protocol for thawing and for freezing, um, which now like makes me regret doing it this way. Um, it took a lot because when you're doing surrogacy, you have to do an FDA testing. Doesn't matter if it's in Ukraine, you know. It, it I know FDA is for 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 the states, you know, for our regulations, but they have their own. Each country has their own regulation, which is typically the same. It's a foreign object that's going inside of someone else's body. You need to make sure that you have STD panels created, um, blood work before you create the embryos. At this point. Did you say STDs? Yeah. Oh, wow. For both my husband and I, um, we had to do that. So because these were not created with surrogacy purpose, we had to do them in the backward, backside or after the fact. And Oh, yeah. All these tests afterwards. And then the doctor had to certify that, you know, hey, at the time that we created the embryos, there's evidence that we didn't have any STDs either um, or any kind of um, disease. And yeah, we shipped embryos and we shipped sperm, um, which they need to also approve to make sure that the sperm is good enough for if we wanted to try an egg donation cycle. Um, mm. I found the agency that that's a lot to consider. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Audrey, like, oh man. Yeah. You're like, you know, looking at the menu and you're like, okay, let's throw that on there. Let's throw this on there. Let's like, okay, yeah, we gotta, let's just add all of it. But you know what, you know, when you've like, you're, you have a menu and you've ordered and you keep getting bad food, right? And like, it's been forever. (laughs) You just want food. I know it sounds, sounds kind of wrong, but it's like, you just want food. Yes. And I just wanted to be a mom. And then like, we, we explored all the countries. Jorge was very set on Colombia because we speak the languages closer. I followed the journey of Mini M and M. Mini M and M. She was a goddess. She had her first surrog- her first baby through surrogacy during like the midst of the pandemic, COVID. Um, and she recently had her second one in the midst of the war. So she, for me, is like I get chills. She's like the one. So I went along with her agency. 
I, I bought some books and the same agency came and up. And she the books. has a surrogacy agency in Colombia or Ukraine? No, sorry, in Ukraine. So when we compared okay. Ukraine and Colombia, um, Colombia was more expensive. And they also didn't have um, intended parent security, which that, which that, I mean that there's no law. And in Atlanta, there's no law, which kind of helps, right? But it's very different when you're going to a foreign country. I'm I'm so scared that I'm not going to have any rights. And they and the surrogate wants to keep the baby either for X or Y, y reason, right? So I was like, uh, no. Ukraine, at the moment she's pregnant, you have rights. So if we go to court, she can try to, to like say that she, you know, she gave birth and everything. But when the date DNA came, comes back, it's our baby. She still needs to sign away parental, cons- yeah, um, her rights away, but it, it still protects us. And when the baby is born, the birth certificate goes under our name in exchange to like other countries where Jorge mm-hmm. may be the father, she would show up as the birth, as the mother. And then I would have to adopt. And I wasn't willing to do that. Adopt. Which complicates the situation, yeah. right. Of what happened during the war. Um, yeah. So that's, that's a lot. It adds another step, like a huge step. And I can't imagine what, how long that process would take. Oh, like with a a war or without a war, right? Yeah. yeah, it's long. And thank God for you. I don't think God, but like, I'm. The other thing is for Australians, the process can take months for them. For you, a citizen and Canadian citizen, you can get your documents to, to bring ha- your bring home your baby in weeks. Um, so that was another thing that I I wanted to consider. Um, and it, compensation and quality, like over here, I had my best friend who was willing, one of my close friends, um, who was willing to carry for me, but because she was, she had the military, um, insurance, I would have to get a second insurance on her. I would have to pay lawyers for her. And for me, I would be needing to pay for the medical bills. And, and that's all on top of her compensation, which her compensation could have all I could give her was like like maybe fifteen thousand because everything else was going to be like a hundred k. And then in Ukraine, Gosh. you have packages that start at thirty five using your own embryos, and then you have a baby guarantee program, which we'll get into. That's fifty thousand. So really, we were looking at sixty thousand. Um, but the compensation for the surrogate, she gets. It depends, but she can get from fifteen to twenty. But those twenty thousand or fifteen thousand, my surrogate with her compensation, she's buying a house. Mm. And the first time she did this, because this is her second journey, the first time she built her farm, her business. So my my friend over here maybe could have gotten a car or something. Mm. It's not the same. So and and. You know, and they take care of her. The over money there just and- goes further for them. Yes. In yes. Ukraine. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's going to be another episode. Um, listeners, we're, we're planning the season as we talk right now, you know, because I think that there is a whole um, episode to unpack the Ukraine fertility industry, too. Um, which is very robust and big, and people come from all over the world. That's right? correct. Only, well, that's another thing. Only 
heterosexual married couple. They have to be married. They have to be heterosexual. And they have to have a medical reason for not being able to carry. So either a hysterectomy, um, I think four failed transfer, three miscarriages. Like you have to prove a history in order to qualify. It's not like, oh, Mm -hmm. you know, I do not want to carry a baby because, you know, I'm focused on my career. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to go make a baby in Ukraine. No, that's not going to roll. Um, there are regulations for that too. Yeah. I, I remember the, um, heterosexual caveat because I remember doing a episode, um, with two dads, UK, um, who also used surrogacy. And we talked about Elton John trying to go to the Ukraine with, um, his partner and not being able to be on the birth certificate. Yeah. Um, yeah, that country sounds like it's rooted in a lot of, oof, old, old, um, rules. Yep. 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 Uh, Um, okay. Now we, okay. So you transferred, so you shipped three embryos embryos to Ukraine Mm -hmm. and sperm, um, so you shipped the sperm to have the option to do donor eggs in case that was. Yeah. And the only way the baby guarantee program works is if you use donor eggs, because that's the only way they're going to guarantee that you're going to get a baby home. Got it. And did you have to choose your surrogate or did they, the, did the agency choose it? choose that person for you. So my agency is pretty good about that. They will give you a couple of profiles that to look for. Um, I remember very be- being very strict about, I don't want anyone who has had a prior miscarriage. I didn't want anyone who, you know, was at a certain region. Like I was already looking at like, no, don't be that close to, to Russia. Um, I was looking. Oh, you were already thinking about that. Yeah. Because the first time I, I exposed the idea to my mom, she like said, hey, you know, in 2014, they had this conflict, this our video surfacing and like, that's not going to happen again. You know? Oh my gosh. Mom coming in with the clutch. Oh my, my fam- God. Again, my family's very, it's freaky how like intuitive the fuck we are. Like, Wow. Um, and she, you know, she she warned me. And I remember having a Reiki session where I was warned that maybe I shouldn't proceed. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, nope. my embryos are already there. We're going to proceed. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I love Reiki. Yes. Yes. Oh, man. Listeners, you know, you, you can't, you can't, you know, knock it until you've tried it. Yep. Oh, yes. I mean, it, that could be another episode. It's going to make you feel good. <laughs> Yes. We're going to have a whole Reiki episode. Yes. Yes. International Reiki is going to be the the episode title. Um okay, so you just ha- you you just powered through. I powered through. Um that's a German ambulance we heard. <laughs> um we we chose a couple of sur- of circuits. I fell in love with the first one uh, or or the one that we chose. We transferred two embryos, our boy and girl. Sorry, I said I, I transferred two boys and a girl. I transferred two girls. No, no, two boys and a girl. Sorry, two boys and a girl. Um, 
we transferred the boy and the girl. Unfortunately, um, I made a mistake of like connecting with her prior to transfer through Viber, which is an app we use because she can write in Ukrainian and I can write in English and it translates for each other. Um, and then she was the one to give me the news that her HCG test was negative. And like she apologized profusely and that she's going to make this work and all that. Um, but subsequently we moved into the donor program because I was like, okay, we only have one girl left. If we fail again, we might not get approved for the guarantee program. Let's just go ahead and move into the baby guarantee program. Um, and then unfortunately for her to continue to be our surrogate, she needed to do a hysteroscopy. What I didn't know is that in Ukraine, they do the hysteroscopy without anesthesia. Oh no. Oh, so she said no. Ooh. And because she was already, yeah. she was a vetted surrogate, um, or as my agency say, she was good and she didn't want to proceed. And we were getting into the program. They basically gave her to another couple that was not doing the guarantee program. Like without okay. that, this happened within a week. And I'm like, how, like, and it was a miscommunication. They told her that we didn't need her anymore. And then like, they told me that she went with another couple and I'm like, I felt betrayed and I already had established this bond with her. So I was yeah. pretty upset. So she, and, um, okay. A couple things, the hysteroscopy, hysteroscopy that's when they go in and um remove any scar tissue from the uterus is that they correct? do an ex exploratory um checkup of the uterus um remove any scar tissue or you know anything that they could say that could be problematic or just go in and see that everything's perfect but they wanted to make sure mm -hmm. that the surrogate is in perfect conditions before moving into the baby guarantee program okay they go through a really robust program, you know, background check. It's not only they do mental, they do physical, but the physical for the baby guarantee, you betcha they want to do the less cycles as possible. So they bet those really, really um, deeply. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, you said you had one female, you said female embryo left. I had one male em embryo left. One male left because you transferred a male and a female. Yes. And then at this point, I'm like, I've lost all my miscarriages, but were girls. Again, my intuition has always told me I was going to have this little girl. I already had the name picked up forever. Um, and I said, okay, let's create embryos. Hopefully we get girls. Please let it me get girls because I told my husband, I don't get to carry them. If we do egg donation, I don't have a genetic link. I just want a girl. Like I just want something to go right. Well, at the end I ended up with five boys and one girl. Wow. So on the next transfer for the baby guarantee, they let me transfer my genetic boy and the girl. Um, we chose the second. And the girl that they created with the donor, donor egg. Eggs. And Jorge's sperm, correct? Jorge's sperm. Yep. Okay. Um, unfortunately, with the new surrogate, the second surrogate, that ended up in a miscarriage that lasted for like three months. 
because she kept going in and it would go up, it would go down, it would go up, it would go down. And they didn't want to stop it until I was like, hey, stop, stop it. You're torturing her. She lives two hours away from Kiev. Kiev. Um, she's getting picked in prong. That's that's not, I mean, it's, it's not a viable pregnancy at this stage. Um, I thought they had stopped. They had it for a couple of weeks. And I'm like, what are we doing? Um, when her cycle finally came, I'm like, okay, are, are we going to try this again? Please check with her. And turns out she was a proven surrogate, but she didn't want to move forward. So it was time to choose a third surrogate. Wow. Gosh. This third surrogate had issues with lining, issues with like thyroid. And we're like, okay, let's get a fourth surrogate in case the third one is not ready. The fourth surrogate started having the same issue. So at this time, I was done. I'm like, I can't believe our luck. We've been through four surrogates. What's happening? I told Jorge, and I was getting I was getting an attitude through emails. First, you can't set a tone in emails, but I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what's going on every time? It, it's a shitty luck. So, Is this what you said to the agency? I No. Oh. I was telling my husband because okay, I wanted to write that, and I was about to write that. So I told my husband, Jorge, I'm like, you need to manage all the communication and you need to choose the next surrogate because I can't deal with this. So for each transfer, we were planning on always transferring to. And apparently Jorge chose this one and he's like, hey, this is going to be our surrogate. I'm like, oh, great. She looks fine. Cool. We did not read that she only, she said only one embryo at a time. So I was very frustrated. But transfer day was there. I'm like, okay, I'm going to trust she knows what she's doing. And I don't want any any type of relationship with her. Um, and that's the one that took. <laughs> that's my Oh, fair. my gosh. Wow. Yep. Wow. Okay. And so you transferred one of the male embryos. The best one. From, yep. The best embryo. Um, using the donor egg from Ukraine. Now, none of the surrogates donated their eggs, right? It's this not was like, a no. Yeah. No. Okay. This was a separate donor. It's not right? allowed. Yeah. You need to. Um, okay. The donor eggs first are anonymous, and a surrogate cannot be linked um, to to the baby. So before, right, in the 80s and the 90s, you would have the traditional surrogacy some parts of the world still practice that, but after there was a very popular case that went to court, right? You know, the surrogate felt tied to the baby because it was genetically linked to her. So after that, it's like no longer the practice where you use a traditional surrogate. You usually try to take the eggs from some, some other um, donor mm -hmm. and then use a different kind of surrogate. Okay. Oh, man. And now we're here. Now we're here. Fifth surrogate. Fifth surrogate. Um, okay. And so, I mean, we'll probably, this, you know, last few minutes of this episode, um, just catch us up to where you are sitting right now, how long you've been in Frankfurt, and what a typical day has been looking like as you're waiting for your surrogate, who is 35 weeks, 36 weeks? 
36, about to be 37. Okay. So 36 weeks today-ish, 36 and some change. Some change. What, what is it like waiting right now in this moment? I've been taking it one day at a time. Obviously, I need meds. So I'm like on anxiety medication because it's it took a lot for me to get to that state and a lot of help from my therapist because this is not your usual typical situation. Um, coming to Germany and being with my best friend has been the best decision I could have done. Um, I keep saying that I'm going to work part-time. Um, I have the blessing from my supervisor. I'm also, I said I was going to also top on my vacation time. However, I've been working 12 to 14 hours because I need to be res- distracted. Like all my meetings happen like now, like at, after 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. and it's 4 p.m. So I start and then I'm not done until like 9 or 10 p.m. And um, so I've been very busy. So in the mornings, I like try to clean around here um, just, you know, to give back to my best friend. Um it's nice when she gets to work from home because then we'll, she lives in a really awesome town right in the city and we can go and walk and get some food. Um, we can hit my favorite stores. So I love Primark and um, we've been going there and it's just. Is that a grocery store? No, it's, a- it's like, it's like an H&M, but with a lot of Disney okay. license. Got um, it. Got it. So I love it. And it's cheap. Um and I love going to Aldi's, um, which is a grocery store that it's founded in Germany um, that we have also. Stop it. Mm-hmm. It comes from Germany and Lidl too. Okay. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Um, what is summer like in Germany? It's better than Atlanta. <laughs> it's not that humid, but it's hot. Um, mm-hmm. And there's no air conditioners. There is no closets in your typical apartment and house. So it's been, I still live out of my suitcase. Um, it's been very good because I've been using a, a, just a fan and I'm not melting. There's no screens. Um, the doors are like big and, and beautiful. Um, it's different for sure, but I'm kind of used to it from Puerto Rico. Um, it's complicated with the language. I took one year of German, but I never knew, learned. My mom lived here for five years, so she knows more than me. And, like, I know the curse words, and that's that's it. Um, <laughs> but it, it's been interesting. That's all you really need, you know? Yeah. Like, you, you, hello, goodbye. And type <laughs> A couple of curse words. Yeah. You're set. Yep. You're set. Um, and... Do you feel any, or does your friend feel any effects of the war right now? Because Ukraine is still actively fighting Russia right now. So she's had very high tensions. And she she wanted to keep extending her, her stay in Germany. And I think now that she thinks she may not be renewing or when time comes, um, it's come with that impact, right? There's been threats about like restricting the gas because Russia controls a lot of energy or, or power or I forget from, for Germany. Um, and there's been threats about cutting that down. Um, and, you know, we're not that far away. <laughs> like I said, I'm tw- 12 hours in car from Ukraine. Um, and if they've been able to do damage to Lviv, it, you know, it, 
I don't know if it's going to get there, but she, she is of course feeling this, the stress. And of course she works for the military, although she can't say much of it, of it, but I can see her stressed and, um, it definitely has impacted militaries in the U.S., whether we like it or not. Um, I think, I think that's what we do. You know, we try to protect our, our, our allies and in, in a one, one way or another. So it's been stressful. And I think she, we're like sisters. So I know that what affects me affects her. So it's, it's been a lot on her too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Audrey, thank you so much for letting us be here with you. Oh, thank you for having me and having a space to share. And hopefully um, someone can identify and not feel that alone. Yeah. Um, well, stay tuned, listeners. This is going to be an eight-episode season all about Audrey's journey to parenthood. Thanks so much, Audrey. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Me, Myself, and Millie. Follow us on Instagram at Me, Myself, Millie for more podcast updates. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe and share on social media. A special thanks to my husband, Rowan Brooks, for technical support and Cal Reichenbach, who did all the music you heard in this episode. You can check him out at calzonemusic.com. Thanks, cutie bombs, and see you next week. <laughs>